Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 228th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great, Cameron. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, this past weekend, we got to watch the Tournament of Champions mm. here in Springfield. That was really fun. Um, I thought maybe we could just talk about that a little bit. How fun it was and any uh any names that jumped out to us from that event that we want to keep track of i know one in particular we talked about him a lot we didn't talk about him on the preview because i didn't know anything about him because he wasn't ranked or anything but one of the players for staley in kansas city uh his name's kyan evans he's going to colorado state next year and he was really impressive mm. I'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah, he honestly looked good enough to play at a higher level, in my opinion, at least in that tournament. But uh, a lot of talent. Uh, Link Academy was there from Branson. They won it. They won it. All five of their starters are seniors that are committed to, like, Power 5 colleges. Yeah. Um, and then not even a starter was, like, junior John Bowl, like, 7-2 center. Yeah. And we got a pretty up-close and personal you of him and yeah the uh, championship game was insane yeah mm-hmm. so much d1 talent yeah the actually he he did start i think but he starts for sun sunrise oh yeah my gosh but uh i'm an idiot yeah he started yeah, that's, for why sunrise. You look, that's why you're giving me that look <laughs> like what yeah i was trying to i was trying to delicately thank you yeah yeah i'd say that was pretty delicate no yeah. nobody nobody knew right nobody knows <laughs> now either oh man yeah link academy yeah different uh, Aaron Rowe for Link Academy, he looked pretty good yes. as a sophomore. He actually played quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. he's probably Missouri basketball's like number one target over the next two or three years at this yeah. point. Um, John Bull, we sat in on a press conference where he talked about playing on Missouri State's court because he played there last year in the state championship game. They won state last year, and he actually said that it nice to play in Missouri because it feels like home because he's from St. Louis and I feel like that's uh, any little tidbit of positive vibes from him about the state of Missouri is welcome uh, he seems like the type of player that everybody will be in on and will just most likely go wherever his professional prospects are the best and I could see him going to like Kentucky or North Carolina or someplace like that mm-hmm. but It'd be nice to keep him home. Aaron Rowe, on the other hand, being from Columbia, I feel like we got a better shot there. And I think the staff will make him, like you said, a very high priority. And we've got two years still to put in the legwork. But he looked really good for a sophomore. I thought he held his own. Yeah, I mean, it's. I was kind of wondering, like, before the tournament, how much he was going to play on a team that's so incredibly stacked with guys that are a year or two older than him. But he, he played a decent amount and made an impact for sure. Yeah. They were fun to watch. They played uh, like full court trapping defense, so he would fit right in with uh, what Dennis Gates is doing this year for Mizzou, at least. That's always a fun event. Um, we have a lot of football news to talk about for Mizzou. Got some commitments from some transfers. We got a commitment on the basketball side of things as well, and then of course we will talk about the last week in Mizzou basketball and preview their upcoming schedule. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review where you listen to us, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, jumping in here with some football news, Kyle, there were three uh, transfer commitments yesterday, day before, yeah, a couple days ago. Recently? Yeah. All on the same day is what I was getting at. Yeah. We got the three-peat. So... I thought we could talk about those guys a little bit. Um, first one that committed was Ole Miss wide receiver Dennis Jackson. Uh, he was a four-star recruit out of high school, two years of eligibility remaining. Didn't play last year, but had 12 catches for 244 yards the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure what the case was last year, why he didn't play, but um, yeah, like you said, had a pretty good year in 2021. Uh kind of a kind of a burner he's a he's a speedy guy he's not real big he's six foot 170 um watching a few highlights of him i i definitely think that he could 
um, be that guy that comes in. I think maybe we talked about this last week a little bit, but be the guy that comes in and just kind of stretches the field, makes the defense respect uh, the speed of the offense. And, you know, Missouri just hasn't really had that guy in um, the last couple of last couple of seasons. And when you don't have that guy that can take the top off the defense, you end up, uh, you know, playing small ball and dink and mm-hmm. dunk and that kind of stuff. So um, it's good to have a guy like Dennis Jackson, even if he's not going to go up there and put up crazy numbers. He's just the, the constant threat that he, you know, he can burn you at any moment. And um, so, yeah, he still has two years remaining. Um, and, yeah, you said he was a four-star recruit out of high school, so clearly a guy that's got good pedigree. Uh, next guy that was committed was Arizona State defensive end Joe Moore the third. Um, he is originally from St. Louis. He played uh, in high school at Cardinal Ritter, was a three-star recruit, and the son of former Missouri running back Joe Moore. Mm. Yeah, obviously a Mizzou legend. Um, that's pretty cool. I would say Joe Moore at this point, like maybe one of the big, maybe the most important uh, transfer addition that we've made just because he it may be a starter immediately. And just, you know, he, he had a good year last year. Um, pretty much all of his production and his career came last year. So 30 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks and 13 career games. Like I said, a lot of it came last year. Mm-hmm. So a guy that um, is kind of, taking uh an impressive trajectory in his career had a great sophomore year and you know there's not going to be a a whole lot of competition there in the defensive end position with you know losing isaiah mcguire trajan jeff coat there's certainly an an opportunity for him to come in and play a lot and then the last guy was florida state defensive back sydney williams originally from alabama was a three-star recruit out of high school comes in at 6'3 200 pounds so pretty big for a defensive back Mm mm-hmm um, a welcome addition uh, already. It, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, adding a wide receiver, adding a defensive back. Those are positions that Missouri was going to be doing okay next season. But I don't know. I think you just take the talent when you can get it. You can't have you can't have too many capable receivers and uh, defensive players. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is one of those like best available situations, like. I don't know that he's going to start, but sometimes it just doesn't really matter who starts. I mean, he's still going to get a lot of playing time, I think. Um, obviously, Joseph Charleston and, and Jalen Carlisle are coming back, and obviously, Dalen Carnell, I think, has the, the star position locked up. But, you know, I think Sidney Williams could play some strong safety, maybe a little bit of star, but, you know, he has a lot of good experience in his career and um, 66 tackles and an interception in 21 games, uh, kind of known as a, a big hitter at Florida State. Um, I was listening to a couple of um, couple of guys talking about the transfer, um, and and went a couple of Florida State guys, mm-hmm. and they were kind of surprised actually that he was transferring because they thought that he might be able to play a bigger role at Florida State next year, and so they were, uh, and he wasn't committed to Missouri at the point of that they were recording it, but they were just they were a little surprised, and um, so I think this is a, a good addition. I, I think that I read that he might be Chris Abramstrain's cousin yeah so i that, saw that as well that may be the part of the connection why he ended up here yeah but, yeah um that's definitely a welcome addition for sure so three additions through the transfer portal um i still want to see offensive line yeah that's got to be addressed i agree um well it's addressed a little bit mm-hmm. i guess with the return of javon foster and the yeah. next thing i needed to talk about yeah um it's that is goes a long way towards uh making me feel better but i don't know i would still i would feel so much better if soon uh news came through that mizzou had locked up a transfer that you know was starting caliber Mm -hmm. but definitely great to have foster back for sure yeah i mean it seems like they surely have to still add an offensive lineman and i would hope honestly for a tight end at this point yeah and probably another defensive end, honestly. But um, those are three of the most important positions, and we, we've done we've done some stuff. We've got some good news with returning players and that kind of stuff. But um, Javon Foster coming back is huge, and uh, you know he's a he's a great tackle, and has had a really solid career at Missouri. He's been pretty healthy, and honestly, I thought he'd go the NFL route this year. So yeah. it's great to have him back. Did you see? Um, I can't. Somebody in Discord, I think, posted it maybe, but. It was uh, Michigan's, like, come back for another year fund. Did you see this? Their NIL. I can't remember where I saw this, mm. but. Yeah, that's where it was. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Michigan has a specific 
NIL fund that is trying to get players who might go that are like fringe NFL players to come back for another season. Wow. And so far they've had like four guys. Um, they're like named in this program that they've successfully lured back to yeah. Michigan because of NIL money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea what, you know, NIL opportunities um, are out there for specific players. I mean, sometimes that kind of stuff comes out for bigger players and you know obviously we know we're, we're well aware of luther burden's you know promotional stuff he's done and all that but i don't really know what you know some of these other players and what their nil opportunities look like but surely there's something that nil is involved in some way and i feel like this year has been you know one of the best um examples of how nil can help missouri and kind of those fringe guys that that probably have an opportunity in the nfl but they just need a little bit of convincing just some kind of financial incentive to come back. Yeah. Um, I think the NIL has, has really helped us out here a lot. And, you know, it's always it's going to help us and hurt us. But um, definitely getting so many of these key players back on, on the defense, especially, too, has, has been awesome. Um, the only other thing I have football-related is uh, I don't know how much there is to make out of this, but Brady Cook tweeted that, uh, well, do you have that? I can't remember exactly what he said. There was two versions of this tweet. Yeah. He uh, posted a tweet with a highlight video saying uh, the only way out is through, maybe. Yeah, only way out is through. Uh, yeah. Hashtag 2023. That was the original tweet. Yeah. With a highlight video. Yeah. And then maybe five to seven minutes after he posted it, he deleted it and then said the same caption, only way out is through, but he took out the 2023 and just did hashtag M-I-Z. So... I still kind of feel like it. It says the same message. Yeah, he's he's coming back. He's he's fighting for the starting job, and someone's gonna have to take it from him. Yeah, but um, which you know kind of confirms what we knew all along. I really I really feel like you know we're gonna have a, a quarterback battle next year. But it was you know maybe we're we're reading into it a little bit, but a little strange to like yeah. delete specifically delete the tweet and then rewrite it. Like you'd think you would know what you're gonna say right. before you tweeted something yeah. like that. But also. Um, I've noticed that a lot of these coming back announcements have had officially produced highlight packages in the video, you know? Yeah, that was clearly this is a not, video that took some effort yeah, to Yeah, this it looks like it's stuff produced by the athletics department. Right. And we've seen that now with a handful of guys that have announced mm-hmm. their return. They have these very nice highlight videos, I think, obviously produced by the university or Mm -hmm. you know and uh, i don't know that's kind of an interesting thing to me maybe he maybe he wasn't even the one tweeting that it could have been somebody in communications with them with the football team that has like his account credentials or something that's possible maybe um yeah i feel like a lot of those returning returning announcements had like unfinished business with like the mizzou logo it was it was all very official looking yeah Probably I would I have just been assuming it's an effort to get everybody on the same page and like advertise this stuff mm-hmm. for the fan base to get excited sure. and sell and season tickets and stuff. The coaching staff can encourage some communication yeah. <laughs> with the players. Like, yeah. Let us know what, what, what you're doing. Yeah, and we'll put this together so you can make yeah. a splash. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I want to see out of him, and and that's I don't know. I I didn't expect anything different, like you said, but. I like that attitude from him. I like knowing that uh, he's going to fight for that starting job. And I don't know. I think I think there's fans out there that hope there's an alternative that's better. But, um, yeah, we're not going to yeah. know for a while. I'm, yeah, I think that's uh, one of the most attractive things about Brady Cook is just kind of the intangibles that come along with him and – being a Missouri kid and clearly just kind of having that next gear of a desire to win and to kind of put on for the the school he loves. And in this era of college football, that's, that's, uh, you know, not always a guarantee, even with your quarterback. So yeah. to have your player kind of just bought in like that, I think, especially from the perspective of a coaching staff, that's pretty invaluable. So he will always have that going for him. And, you know, he, he did some good things this past season and definitely some, you can see some building blocks, but there, there's definitely going to be a quarterback battle. 
Okay, then shifting gears to basketball, Mizzou basketball got a commitment from a top five JUCO player in the country, Kurt Lewis. Kurt Lewis, originally from Louisville, uh, played two years at Eastern Kentucky, shot 35% from three, 54% from two. He's 6'5", 220 pounds. Um, yeah, spent uh, spent a year at the JUCO level, putting up some pretty big numbers. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, next year will be playing for Mizzou. Yeah, this was um, an interesting commitment. I felt like was maybe a little bit out of left field. Um, the timing is interesting. The I timing think. is interesting, yeah. um, but, the, but the connections are pretty obvious. And uh, yeah, when I, when I kind of looked into Kurt Lewis a little bit more, obviously I was impressed by his size, you know, a six, five guard. That's, you know, that'll play for sure at the, at the next level. Um, just seems to be a, a very much a team player. Like, you know, he, has just doing everything like 14.7 points per game 3.2 assists 4.7 rebounds 2.2 steals a game all that stuff is per game um just kind of being everywhere and yeah. uh, being a disruptor and that that'll also play uh especially with mizzou's game plan you know just creating havoc on defense and um shooting well from three shoots 49 percent from three at, at john a logan so you know, he uh, he definitely took advantage of of that opportunity to 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 play at JUCO and just kind of put up crazy numbers and, and be the soul of the team. Yeah, interesting that the connection is still there. He never played under Coach Smith Peters at John A. Logan, but that's still that connection coming through. And yeah. Dennis Gates obviously has um, deep ties into the JUCO ranks where yeah. he has relationships all over the place but well kyle smith peter's brother is the coach at john a logan as well so that that, that helps that's a little family connection that there. makes sense and uh yeah number three juco juco prospect in the country so you know i feel like it's it's okay to take a, a flyer i think maybe not even a flyer is like an appropriate way to describe you know some of the top juco players obviously you just never know what you're going to get but I do think that sometimes the JUCO, the top JUCO guards can maybe be a little bit more polished, like Division One ready. Um, you know, we've seen a couple top rated JUCO forwards like Keanu Post and and then obviously Diara this year. And I think they've both like have have a little bit of a, of a developmental period once they get to Mizzou. OK, you can't just drop Keanu Post on me and expect me not to just reminisce a little bit. OK, I remember uh, like articles being written when he committed to Mizzou and just you know talking about his numbers at the juco level and i was so excited yeah and then there wasn't a lot there with him but then he kind of turned it on at one point he was able to score a little bit um around yeah. the basket and had a pretty iconic block on devin booker oh in yeah the kentucky game yeah that's like honestly the probably the number one play i i think yeah. of Keanu post <laughs> yeah that's funny but yeah i mean just with those forwards you know, it's it's tough to make the jump from JUCO to you know high Division One basketball. That that that's a big jump. But sometimes, you know, uh, obviously, um, Sean East yeah. is has played really well this year. I think he's it's been a pretty smooth transition from him from from JUCO to Division One. And I think as this becomes a more constant thing of like pulling guys from the JUCO ranks, um, one thing that I've started to notice is just guys that have D one experience prior. Um, are obviously much better at getting back into the swing of things. And that's, I think, what we're seeing a lot of with Sean East is like he played a D1 season, uh, several of these guys. You play a D1 season or two, it's not working out, you need a fresh start, go Juco, figure some things out. Dominate everybody. Yeah, you know, uh, get, get feeling good again, and then these guys really seem like they're ready to contribute at a higher level when they've kind of they know what all's out there they know the different levels of competition know what they have to do Mm -hmm. um looking at his uh going back to kurt lewis looking at his size and just kind of how he scores and stuff reminds me a bit of um deandre golston as far as like a bigger guard who can score at all three levels not the most efficient player but is willing to kind of just get it done however he can. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say after watching some highlights, Lewis, I think, is maybe more capable of creating his own shot. Although Golston has shown that uh, he's capable a little bit. I just Lewis has a maybe a little bit more skill dribbling and just like 
a little bit more of a guard probably than Golston. Yeah, 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 I would agree. But similar size. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a video of him going around that was just on Twitter a couple of days ago of him throwing down a huge dunk. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's a well-rounded, he's, he's an explosive athlete for sure. But, you know, just big picture, though, with, you know, Missouri's recruiting scholarship situation, you know, so this is the fourth, I believe, uh, guy who's committed currently to their next year's class. Yeah. So they're kind of one over the limit currently. We don't know what's going to happen with some of the, you know, returning seniors potentially like Nick Honor and Kobe Brown. You know, some of those guys have an extra year. Yeah. We have no idea what's going to happen with those guys. We do know there's three guys for sure that w- that will have to leave because they're out of eligibility. But, um, you know, I just think that in this era of college basketball, I just think you got to leave a couple spots open for the transfer portal like in the off season, just because I think it's so, I mean, you can just hand pick a guy that will come in and fill a specific role and there's just there's literally a thousand names out there and guys of all you know differing levels of experience and and talent and i think missouri is you know can be you know kind of a a heavy hitter in the transfer portal if they really want to prioritize somebody so i don't know i just i don't i don't want to fill up on on freshman and juca guys personally i think these are all good additions but i would I think at this point I'm, I'm ready to be done with additions for the moment until yeah. the transfer portal is open. I'm with you there. That That's kind of what I I was alluding to by the timing of this, just with with no open scholarships as of right now. Yeah. I mean, that's not uncommon for you to have to, for somebody to have to move on to make it all work, but that that's always going to happen regardless, I mm-hmm. feel like. There's going to be one or two guys. I'm hoping it's just one or two guys that leave that still had eligibility remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of candidates on the roster that kind of seem like obvious transfer options. And, um, you know, there's a few guys that, that aren't playing probably as, as much as they, they want to be. But, you know, for the most part, everybody that's on the bench is, is getting to play quite a bit, unless your name is Mosley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're either getting some action or you're a freshman. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, and even uh, Aiden Shaw is getting to play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So, and especially going back to the, you're talking about the transfer, the traditional transfer portal in the off season. Mizzou is going to have the opportunity to be like, hey, we've got an open spot at the five spot on yes. our roster. We need a starting five yep. desperately. That's basically it. You'll play as much as you possibly can yeah we have a good team that's ready to win now we just had a good season yeah. assuming we finish well yeah uh, hopefully we're coming off an ncaa tournament and we literally just have this gaping hole that we need you to fill yeah and um you know we know that hodge and gamillion are going to be moving on because they're out of eligibility so there's another spot where you're like hey we can take we would happily take the best three-point shooter slash scorer that we can get in the mm-hmm. transfer portal and plug them right into the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Hodge, Gomillion and Golson all are uh, out of eligibility. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't love being over on scholarships at this point in the season, but it'll all work itself out. Now, unfortunately, we have to talk about two Mizzou basketball losses. Uh, This was always a fairly likely outcome with these two road matchups against uh, Texas A&M and Florida. I would have really liked to see, and I think they could have pulled off one of these wins. Um, We both thought that they would most likely beat Florida, or that was the best shot out of the two. Going back to the A&M game, though, Mizzou lost 82-64, to and that was just a pretty awful game to watch. A&M jumped out to an early lead. They had a 24-4 to run in the first half that basically just put it out of reach. Mizzou actually went on a run of their own in the second half, 17-2 to run. They cut the lead to four, but then A&M answered with a 16-3 to run, and that sealed the deal. So that it was, was like one of the most bizarre basketball games. And yeah, it was just like kind of brutal to watch. And it was a lot of fouls and just yeah. bad offense. And oh man, it was, yeah. it was a mess. Yeah. For a Mizzou fan, it's like some of the worst basketball you've ever seen. And then a run where it looks like, oh, this team maybe can actually play. And then when that stopped, it was just more of the worst basketball you've ever seen. Yeah. 
I mean, if I would have just for some reason gone into hibernation like last March or something, like right before the end of last basketball season and just woke up for that game, I would have 100% thought this was Conzo Martin's team because yeah. it felt like deja vu, man. Just the last few years of like, I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's like those midweek away conference games, like just some like eight o'clock Wednesday night game against Ole Miss or Mississippi State or something. I don't know, man. Those games are always horrible. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but we always we always lose. We always play terrible, and yeah, Texas A&M is just a tough place to win. And I don't know what it is about college basketball, but just it is so so hard to win on the road. And we talked about in the preview how awful of a matchup this was for Mizzou. Just A&M strength being size inside and rebounding and. Getting to the line. Yes, getting to the free throw line. Those are all weaknesses for Missouri. Yeah. So there was a decent chance it was going to go this way. Never really would have expected it to be as run heavy as it was. But, um, yeah, Mizzou only scoring 64 points. That was pretty terrible. Uh, Kobe had 12 points. He was the high scorer for Mizzou. Uh, Des Moines Hodge fouled out in just 22 minutes. Just 10 points. Shot 2 of 10 from 3. That was pretty terrible. The team as a whole, 7 of 31 from 3. And, of course, uh, Mizzou was out-rebounded 42 to 25. A&M did turn the ball over 18 times, and that's kind of the give and take there with the rebounding and the turnovers. But maybe that's a wash, but 7 of 31 from 3. Yeah. Not going to get it done. Yeah, pretty terrible. I'll give some, I guess, more like big picture thoughts and reactions, I guess, after we talk about Florida, because I feel like it was a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. And um, A&M, to their credit, uh, they shot 44% from three in the game and 62% from two. So it was really just a bad game for Missouri. Uh, Those are going to happen every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mizzou turned around and then lost to Florida 73 to 64. And... Um, this one hurt more, I think, yeah. because this was a winnable game. Mizzou, right there, the whole yeah, time. seemingly learned something from the A and M game and jumped out to an early lead, eleven zero to start the game, and then Florida never went on a huge run. It was just like chipping away. Basically, Florida's making shots, Missouri's not. Yeah. Uh, Florida still turning the ball over. Mizzou actually rebounded much better in this game Mm -hmm. the matchups better there with florida uh but florida just slowly worked their way back into it and again mizzou uh three of 18 from three so and and florida shot the ball pretty well yeah just slowly crept back into it and overtook mizzou the beginning of this game felt like one of the only times this entire season where the other team was just like shooting poorly yeah like had open looks like florida had open looks and they just were not making anything and you know, yeah i feel like illinois it was like yeah reminiscent of the illinois game where it was just like oh are we just gonna run away with this yeah yeah so that has not happened very many times this year even you know with poor defense i just feel like you know, teams teams are making shots against mizzou uh all season long so they got they got a little bit lucky there at the beginning of the game but uh, yeah like you said it just didn't matter and um you know we talked about colin castleton and how it kind of felt like Missouri has mitigated him a little bit over the last couple of years. You know, he's a good he's a good SEC player. Uh, he's not great, but he looked great in this game. Unfortunately, you were even talking some smack on him in, in Discord a little <laughs> bit, just like like ah, I'm not scared of this guy. Yeah, and, you know, he he kind of he kind of made us look bad mm-hmm. um, for sure in this game. And yeah, he he did it all: 16 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, two blocks, three steals. Yeah, he just completely exploited the matchup and uh, did exactly what a, a, an experienced uh, player would do. And it made it difficult because we're wanting to work the offense through Kobe Brown but he's at a size disadvantage with Castleton and, and Castleton is, uh, you know, quick enough to move with him. Yeah. And it just wasn't a good matchup. Uh, sometimes they would have to put a smaller guy on Kobe and that would work okay. But then Florida would double him and it just wasn't working well. And of course, when Mizzou is doubling Castleton, he's passing out of it. Well, cause he's six eleven. Ugh, yeah. yeah. He, he kind of tortured us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think that just at this point in the season, like, there's there's 
I think our fears have been realized a little bit. Like what we were talking about at the beginning of the year, like, you know, we're beating up on these bad teams. We're just kind of doing whatever we want. We're, we're causing all these turnovers, just scoring points off of, off of havoc plays and all this stuff. And, you know, I just kept kind of thinking in the back of my mind, this is, this is great um, until we probably play some better coach teams that, you know, have so watched film and, and know exactly what to do. And yeah, I do kind of feel like there's been a little bit of that, like kind of just um, coming back to the uh, coming back to the mean a little bit with, um, you know, just not being able to make a living off of steals and just outlet passes and transition and. Um, man, when we have been forced to play the half court game, we've not looked good mm-hmm. at all. And on offense or defense, obviously defense has been terrible all year, but the offense, um, I think has been exploited a little bit the last few weeks where they've been forced to kind of slow the game down, grind out the, the half court offense. And they just have shot at horribly. Yeah. And there's a lot of standing around like with four guys standing around the perimeter and one guy just kind of trying to create on ISO and it just, it's not really working, um, consistently. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like um, even with the some of the deficiencies, in, even in either one of these games, but most uh, obviously the Florida game, since it was very winnable, um, just being ice cold from three. Yeah, you, you could withstand all of that other stuff if you were just making threes at like a forty percent clip. Right, thirty-five to forty percent. You're gonna be. It's gonna be a one possession game at the buzzer probably right and again like you know i think uh demoy hodge was kind of like the savior of the beginning of the season you know he was just the guy that was always going to hit that clutch shot um you know was creating a lot of steals and turnovers and um plays in transition and that just hasn't really been happening the last few games and it just seems like basically anytime he touches the ball it's like just a spot up shot or uh, or in transition and i just think he's really struggling in the half court and it's it's hurting us and we just don't have that guy that can go hit a shot right now yeah kobe brown finished with 21 points um he was one for three from three i mean offensively maybe offensively for him in this florida game he should have been going to the free throw line more yeah he was kind of getting hammered down low and still made seven of his 15 two-point attempts You'd like to see that a little bit better, but I'd say three of those misses, he should have been going to the line for two. Yeah, he was getting hacked for sure and uh, just wasn't getting the calls. And I don't know if it's just because he's a big dude and, like, the refs just think he can, like, absorb some of that stuff. I don't know. But uh, I just, you know, again, with Demoy Hodge, it's like, you know, I think he's figuring out when you play at a high level with these great coaches. And once you get on the scouting report, yeah, they, they figure out ways to take you out of the game. And, you know, Kobe Brown is, is a great player. But I think in the past we've talked about can Kobe Brown carry a team and can he be the best scorer on the team? Will that team be successful? And I think we're kind of finding out, like, maybe not consistently. Yeah, but it feels like uh, feels like a broken record just saying three-point shooting, three-point shooting, three-point shooting. But that's what it is for yeah. Kobe is he's got to be able to kick it out to guys that can knock down threes. Yeah. And if if that's not happening, then, yeah, you know, 21 points from Kobe Brown in this Florida game is enough to win the game if Hodge makes a couple threes, if uh, Noah Carter makes a couple threes. They had one three-point make between the two of them. Nick Honor, over three. So, yeah, it kind of felt like this was maybe one of Nick Honor's worst games in a Mizzou uniform for whatever reason. He, uh, I don't know, man. He just looked not really himself in this game. Was doing Even the announcers were kind of picking up on this a little bit where he was just, like, getting good looks and passing it up. Yeah. Or, like, he would dribble, drive, like, under the basket and just, like, just kind of keep go- going under the basket and just not shoot and – when he did shoot his threes, yeah, he was he was not on, and so you know, I don't know. I think this was just kind of one of those long road trips. They I think they went directly to Florida after the AM game, so they weren't home for a while. Um, again, it's just incredibly difficult to to win on the road. Um, you know, I'm not too terribly worried, but you know, I definitely think that other coaches are, are figuring out um, how to minimize us a little bit. Yeah, um, it's always a shame though when you drop. A, a winnable game when you lose a winnable game yeah. and when you're kind of looking at some of these toss-up games yeah. and especially on the road 
It yeah, just, it's not, uh, it's not an easy rest of the schedule at all. Right. So grabbing any of those is huge for postseason opportunities. And you start looking at the SEC standings too, and how close everything is just razor thin at the end of the year. Like, you know, all of these teams are just going to be jumbled up in the middle of the standings. You just would love to have had one of those. So after the two losses, uh, Mizzou 13 and four overall two and three in conference play dropped all the way to 57th in Kimpom. Still ninth overall in offensive efficiency, 186 on defense. They are a nine seed right now in ESPN bracketology, 11 on BartTorvik.com. Uh, those are the only two I know off the top of my head. Um, we've had enough conference games now that uh, it's maybe more helpful to look at the stats from just the conference games, especially considering Mizzou's uh, level of competition and non-conference play but in sec games only mizzou has the fifth best offensive efficiency and is 10th out of 14 in defensive efficiency and um, a really alarming stat is in sec games opponents are shooting 58 percent from two that is 14th out of 14 in sec play i believe it and now we get to come back home for a rematch against Arkansas. Obviously lost a heartbreaker to Arkansas earlier this season. And, but since then, Arkansas has lost their last three games. Um, they have struggled in a lot of the same ways that they struggled against Mizzou in that matchup. Uh, they've lost all three of those games by double digits, including a road loss to Vanderbilt. I think you watched almost all of that game. They gave up, gave up 97 points to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah, somehow they're still ranked, too. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, Yeah, um, that's worth mentioning. Mizzou does drop out of the rankings. They received one vote at 23. Yeah. So, Which is fine, honestly. Yeah, like, still right around there. Historically, it seems like Mizzou plays a lot better when they're not ranked. Honestly, yeah. we get ranked, and then immediately yeah. we, we are terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Arkansas has been horrible, though, ever since the Missouri game. Um yeah, I did watch a decent amount of that game against Vanderbilt the other night and or the other day, and there was a strange moment in that game right before halftime, where um, man, what's the Arkansas guy's name? I, I, uh, something Black, I think is his yeah, last yeah, name. Yeah. Um, he basically Anthony Black. Anthony Black for Arkansas like drove in, uh, gets a, gets fouled on a on a shot, doesn't make the shot. Nothing spectacular happens whatsoever, but he like the Vanderbilt defender falls down and he like stares at him, like kind of standing over him, tries to step over him. And like any teammate would do, they kind of shove Anthony black just to like, Hey, that's not cool. And then there's just, everything spirals into like, there was like two different technical fouls given to like two different Vanderbilt players. Maybe it was the same Vanderbilt. Yeah. Player. He got kicked out. There was an ejection. Yeah. And then of course Stackhouse who already likes to talk was going crazy. He gets teed up. Well, once he, once the refs explained to him, that only his team was getting called for any technicals yes. and multiple technicals. Yes, he just he lost goes it. ballistic. Yeah. Understandably so. I was going crazy just watching the game in my living room. I was like, <laughs> what? And so, yeah, so basically so he gets a technical. Anthony Black just causes the chaos. He's the one that starts taunting. And uh, he, the Arkansas is rewarded with the seven technical free throws, which I've never seen in my life, not even close. Yeah. Uh, they make all of them. They go up by like 12 points at halftime with all this momentum. Uh, Vanderbilt is the only team penalized um, in this situation, and I was just I was going bonkers. I just I've never seen anything like it. And then Vanderbilt scores 63 points in the second half. Yeah, to win the game. Yep, they, went they off. scored uh, 97 points in re regulation regulation basketball. I love it. Mm. Regulation basketball. I I love it. Yeah, so that means Arkansas is due for a win. They're like <laughs> they're like one and four or something yeah. like that in the SEC. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty brutal. Yeah, they are twenty second in Kimpom, twelve and five overall, one and four in SEC play. Um, one stat that I noticed when I was uh, drilling down to just conference games is they are shooting twenty three percent from three in conference play. Gotta hope that what continues. What they shoot against Mizzou probably like forty plus probably. In, in the matchup earlier this year? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, they were... I feel uh, like a lot of their damage was done uh, yeah. from two. Yeah, 29% from three, 61% uh, from two. Yeah. Not good. Like 80% in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 
I really do think Arkansas is kind of spiraling a little bit, and maybe that is maybe that does mean they're they're due to kind of snap snap out of it, and um, especially with a game that probably means a little bit more to them uh, than like a Vanderbilt or something like that. You know, I think at this point Missouri and Arkansas don't don't care for each other very much. They've got the Trayvon Brazil uh, aspect to fight for their teammate. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit more on the line. They could have a reason to play a little harder. Uh, but man, this is uh, this is a must-win for both teams, honestly. Yeah, which I, that's going to make for an exciting atmosphere, exciting game day win. Yeah, Mizzou has the opportunity to right the ship a little bit. Well, that's what both teams are looking for. Yeah. And um, but you know, we talked about earlier these midweek road games um, in the evening are it's difficult to get up for those when yeah. you're the road team. And if things start off bad for Arkansas, I just hope that Mizzou's got to be able to make a few shots to separate themselves early. I I don't I don't like that Arkansas just basically we talked about at, uh, when we after that game they just kind of I feel like they just lucked their way into some matchup problems for Mizzou. They were not even going to pursue if it weren't for foul trouble. So. I could see them really trying to go big with their lineups against Mizzou, knowing how well that worked when they kind of had to move that direction in the first mm-hmm. matchup. So maybe look for that. Yeah, I, it would actually be really interesting to see what Arkansas does with their personnel yeah. and see if they try to get some three-point shooters in there more than they normally would play because obviously Missouri's super susceptible to that. Yeah, I can't remember the the guy. Pinion. Pinion. Yeah, you already knew yeah. where I was going with oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was just draining shots on yeah. us like the first time we played. Yeah, he played nine minutes in there in the Vanderbilt game. He did make a three though. Um, had something else. Oh yeah, so Mizzou has been trying to get more size on the floor with uh, Mo Diara, and uh, without being overly negative, it's not working. Would you agree? Yeah. Got a couple rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean that speaks to why he hasn't been on the floor earlier in the season yeah he's uh, just he's just not ready it's yeah. obvious um especially defensively he's a liability out there man like he just um and there was one play in particular against florida like in a big moment it felt like he was all the way out like almost half court like guarding a guard or go, like on ball defense I'm like what is happening yeah. why anyways yeah the rotations have looked bad for mizzou this year at times and surprisingly they looked noticeably worse with him on the floor yeah and he just missed a dunk in kind of a pivotal moment against florida too i was just like um i was a little confused why he played so much i understand you're trying to get some more size out there see what you can do to slow down castleton i get it but uh shaw didn't i don't think he played a single minute yeah i'm not sure what happened there uh well uh uh, coach gates was asked about that after the game and he said just uh coach's decision yeah just didn't get out there didn't really tell us anything um but yeah, um, I don't remember. I was is this Diara uh, size going to be a problem with Arkansas? I I, I see uh, the staff pivoting away from that yeah. strategy immediately. I I would be surprised if he's out there for any significant time. Yeah, I think I'd much rather see Shaw. Um, yeah, try if you're going to try and get some size, I think I'd rather see Shaw out there. Yeah, I agree with you. So, what do we think about this Arkansas game? We're going to win this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we'll win. Um, uh, for whatever reason, uh, home games are a lot more winnable than away, and that's some hard hitting analysis. <laughs> but uh, we we lose on the road, we win at home. That's kind of how college basketball goes, and I think Missouri is gonna be able to take advantage of uh, of kind of learn from their mistakes from the first game. Hopefully, uh, be able to slow down Arkansas in the paint because that was what killed us last time. Yeah, yeah. Surely Arkansas will not be just like draining mid-range jumpers like they did in the second half of the first matchup and yeah just taking all these like inefficient shots and just making all of them yeah. i know that's something some, like ricky council that's in his game for sure and uh yeah but or like second and third uh chance points oh yeah that, stuff. that was that's more frustrating than anything though yes um yeah because like for for whatever reason, when you are shooting a three pointer after an offensive rebound, the chances in. of it going in go up like twenty percent. I yeah, it's like seems like they always always get burned. Yeah, I think uh, I think Mizzou wins this one. I think they get back. You know, better three point shooting has got to come. These guys are are good three point shooters. 
There's a handful of guys on Mizzou's roster that can knock down threes. They just haven't done it the last two games. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to get back on the right track there. And we just really need this win. Back at home. Got to have it. Is Arkansas a candidate for kind of like spiral factor? Just like completely collapse? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, Let me look at their schedule real quick. I don't know if uh, Nick Smith, like when he's – is that yeah, yeah. Nick Smith? I don't mm-hmm. know when he's coming back. But no I feel time like table. things could get bad enough to where he's just like, ah, screw it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to go make my money. Yeah. And um, especially, you know, dealing with a little bit of knee stuff. Yeah. There's not much. There's not a great reason to no. risk it. And without Nick Smith, without Trayvon Brazil, to me, they're so limited. And I mean, they've got length. They can rebound. Um, but I just think on a night in, night out basis, they just are not going to be able to score. Like they're just not going to be able to hang with teams um, consistently enough. Like what if they just didn't make the tournament or something? What if they just kept Man, dropping I would games? Love that. Oh, oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. They've got an opportunity here though, to make things right. I mean, we're hoping for a win from Missouri, but then Arkansas has home matchups against Ole Miss and LSU who have been struggling as of late. Uh, Arkansas already beat LSU earlier this season. So even if they lose to Mizzou, I could see them picking up two home wins pretty quick and kind of feeling better. But yeah. you never know. Uh, if Mizzou, to break their spirit. If Mizzou destroys them and then like midweek it's announced that Nick Smith is like not going to play again this year, like he's just going to w- get ready for the draft or mm. something, yeah, we could see a spiral. Yeah, it's got to start with a Mizzou win, though. Yeah. Does it feel like uh, SEC conference games just have like twenty more fouls called than like any other like non-conference game we watched all year? I feel like I I don't know. Our teams just playing. The, are we just are just playing harder and just playing more physical? Are the refs insane? Like, what well, the Florida happening? game, the Florida game, I feel like there weren't as many fouls called, and that actually benefited Mizzou, like out on the perimeter. And yeah, like Florida with loose balls like, and stuff, but then on the, in the interior, it, it was uh, yeah. And I feel like I, I even said this in the Discord at one point. There was a little bit of a dust up early on, or like maybe towards the end of the first half. And I was like, uh, get ready for this game to be called differently from here on out. And I feel like you can just see that happening in some of these games where the refs aren't calling much, and Mizzou's getting away with a lot of stuff. The other team gets frustrated. There's a little bit of a scuffle or something. The frustration is obvious because they don't. They feel like they're not getting calls, and something happens, and then the refs kind of tighten it down a little bit, call more fouls, and that ends up hurting Mizzou. So I don't know. I just feel like SEC refs are not that good. I think they're just not good enough. This is brutal to watch, and honestly, I can understand how fans like if they're not as bought into like Mizzou or just college but i can understand how that could be pretty unwatchable yeah. if you if you're just kind of like oh, i just want something to watch tonight then like oh, okay this is awful yeah you're like oh what? i got nothing going on I'm, let me tune into this uh, mizzou a&m game and just, you watch that for 20 minutes oh my gosh it's you, so that, boring. that's enough to make you not want to watch basketball for a while yeah it's just there's no flow to the game it's just constant whistles every every single possession it feels like you think uh, Musselman's just constant like whining and like berating of the refs like is actually like effective? It seems to work in uh, Fayetteville. Yeah, it works in Bud Walton. <laughs> yeah, surely that doesn't work in Mizzou Arena. I hope so. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't work on me if I was the ref. Do you think if you're an Arkansas fan, you would like get into that? You would like it? I guess so. Probably. Ugh, I don't even want to think about I that reality. I have said that. But you have to. I mean, you just overlook all of your coach's flaws, I feel like. Probably. Until they... Until they start losing. Yeah. And you're like, ah, this sucks. Yeah. He's always crying. <laughs> yeah, what? Maybe... Spend if, more time coaching him. Yeah. I, I hope to see a little bit more of that on Twitter in the near future. Oh, yeah. I like a good old Arkansas Twitter meltdown. Um, unfortunately, even if Missouri does beat Arkansas, um, they've got a tough game after that. They host... Alabama. Alabama is the hottest team in the country. They are 15 and 2 overall, 5 and 0 in SEC play. Their only losses on the season are to number 6 Yukon and number 10 Gonzaga. And they have the best win of any team in the country this year. They won a true road game 
Uh, 71 to 65, they beat Houston, who is the number one team in Kimpom. That is Houston's only loss on the season. Yeah, they're still they're number one in AP too. Oh man. Yeah, Alabama. They're good. They're they're incredible this right is basketball, now. Right? Like this is yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. It'd be good to be an Alabama fan, wouldn't it? Yeah. At least for in this specific moment in time. Yeah, I gotta hope that just for the sake of the rest of the SEC, this Alabama is peaking right now. They are very very good, but they are not as unbeatable as they have been i feel like we saw that kind of with tennessee Mm -hmm. where they were just kind of destroying people and then kentucky was like yeah we well we'll just beat you yeah i mean and it's in some way i feel like you almost want them just to kind of run away with it for the sake of sec standings just every team that plays alabama is just a loss and that would be nice uh for some of those middle of the road teams maybe yeah we don't want any like i don't know who's like a team that would probably be i mean we don't want a an arkansas knocking off yeah florida a and m yeah any of these teams that mizzou has lost to yeah. uh, we want them losing a lot of games um alabama fourth in kimpom 12th in offense eighth in defense just insane to be that good on both in both aspects and on top of that they play at the fourth fastest tempo so they're just, a candidate for the formula. Or absolutely. Your, your, your tournament oh, yeah. formula. Yeah. Oh, man. Just you wait. Yeah, the biggest part of that. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> How fun would that be, though? Like, I've watched some of this Alabama team. It's just the yeah. most fun basketball imaginable. Yeah. They're just re- excellent just, on both ends and playing with pace. They make a ton of shots. Yeah. They're excellent. Yeah. They are led by Brandon Miller. If you haven't heard of him, he is a five-star freshman. He was the number 14 player in his senior class. He is 6'9". He's the number one candidate right now for SEC Player of the Year, according to Ken Palm's analytics. And he's number five in the overall nationwide Player of the Year rankings. He's averaging 19 points, eight rebounds. He's shooting at 6'9". He is shooting... 46 percent from three on seven attempts per game yeah i mean there's just basically nothing you can do about a player of that size that can stretch the floor can just beat you in every way possible like for uh, ideal nba uh prospect too i mean hopefully he's way out of here after one year but man he's had an incredible season yeah a couple years ago alabama had um herb jones yeah who was like could stretch the floor a little bit athletic wing um maybe not quite the like athletic prowess though yeah nba prospect right right but definitely in that mold and then nate oats just goes out and gets that player but just like Like with the stats maxed out just yeah herb jones is one of the better players players in the country uh, a couple of seasons ago yeah so they've got that again but better in every way basically awesome um is that a coaching thing is Nate Oates just the guy? Is he just him? Nate Oates needs to go to the NBA or maybe take that Texas job that I heard is open. Except I don't really want Texas to be good either. Yeah, just go to the NBA. I would much rather Texas be good than Alabama at basketball. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Just because we don't have to play Texas. I mean, I want bad things for Texas generally, but I don't know. Something happens to guys when they go there, though. It's yeah, like they, uh, yeah, that's like, that's actually pretty mean to wish that on Nate Oates, to be honest. To like be the Texas coach, yes, because only he, bad things. He kind of seems like the kind of personality that would be like, "Ooh, Texas yeah. job, I want that." Uh, but yeah, just I don't know. Never ends well for like both sports. Yeah, the, probably. What would be worst case scenario would be he takes over at Kentucky. You think Cal's gone? Well, no, probably not. I'm just thinking like, what would what would be where could he go from Alabama that, you know, to make more money and ha- and still have as good a chance or better to make the final four that of open jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially open jobs. Just go to the NBA. Just get out of here. Leave us alone. <laughs> Just let um, us enjoy our, our sport. Yeah. Let us enjoy college basketball. Um, they, let's see anybody else on Alabama worth talking about. They, st- I think they still have, uh, yeah, Javon Quinterly still kicking around there. Um, he's still a really good guard, and um, they've added a few other pieces that are making an impact. Um, Mark Sears is a guard that they got a transfer from Ohio. He's playing really well, shoots 
uh, over 40% from three um, and is a, is a very good defender, gets yeah, to the free throw line. Like one of those classic, uh, just one of those mid-major guys that is really talented and wants to level up and it has just been exactly what they like hoped he would be. Just exactly the same role he was playing at Ohio. Is that where he's from? Yeah, yeah. Um, just, yeah, just killing it, shooting, shooting really well. Yeah, and they've just got long-armed wings that uh, create issues on uh, for opposing offenses. They've got another freshman guard, Jaden Bradley, who's playing quite a bit, and uh, he and Quinterly are just like uh, serving up assists to their scores just all game long. They've they've always got a guard in there that can put a pass on the money for a wide open shot or a dunk most of the time. And I feel like they're offensively Alabama is just like peak efficiency where they just don't really take bad shots so if there's anything Missouri can do in that game it's run Alabama off the three-point line and try to get them into some situations where they're taking bad shots it's going to be difficult because they are at any time they're going to have five guys on the floor that can score and I don't think you can do anything to shut down Brandon Miller so just trying to get them into spots where they're not as comfortable and can't just score immediately is going to be important for Mizzou's defense. Hopefully they can turn them over a little bit, but uh, I don't know. What's Alabama's pace? Fourth okay. in the country. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they can't really, uh, can't really exploit that. No. Yeah. This is just an incredibly tough matchup really from every way you look at it. Um, and because Alabama I think it's possible they're playing their best basketball they will all season right now. They just beat LSU one oh six to sixty six. <laughs> so it's pretty good. They play uh they play Vanderbilt right now, I think, or tonight. So maybe we'll see something there. Maybe they'll probably not. No, probably not. Now Missouri has been a little bit of Alabama's kryptonite the last few years, though. True. Yeah, we beat that this, Herb Jones not, maybe not team. This Alabama team, but no. Alabama teams have passed. Yeah, I think uh, you know this is at home. I think um, Alabama is just going to do what they do, though. You know, but they, you know they're dealing with some off the court stuff. Um, I don't know. True. I mean, there's some pretty terrible stuff going on. Yeah. One of their players is uh, is in some trouble. Yeah. Um, but you know, and it's it's a Saturday game. Mm, yeah. So um, I, I think Alabama probably wins. 83-74. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think uh, I'll just basically agree with you there. If Missouri can do anything, it's going to come from forcing turnovers and not turning the ball over themselves. If they can win the turnover battle by like 10-plus turnovers, that's you know it's going to yeah. take a big effort like that in yeah. one of those sort of ancillary areas to yeah, just get back to just the insane defense that you were just like full effort trying to uh even just jump the passing lanes play a little risky if you have yeah. to just try and force some some turnovers it might be uh to delete the transition points might be the best strategy here yeah that's probably going to be a loss yeah. um and then we're not exactly sure when we'll be recording next week so uh, there is, we will talk just briefly about the Tuesday night game next week is against Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is looking like maybe one of the worst teams in the SEC. They are 0-5 so far in SEC play. It's They're, about as bad as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 90th in Kim Palm, 133 on offense, 67th on defense. In just conference play only, they are 13th in the SEC in offensive efficiency. So, thank goodness, uh, Mizzou will be going up against a team that struggles to score, finally. And maybe Missouri's lapses in the defense, uh, in uh, half-court defense, will be covered up a little bit by Ole Miss just not able to make shots. Um yeah, I think uh, I like Missouri's chances in that one. That's kind of one that if you want to be a postseason type team, an NCAA tournament type team, you got to pull off one of these winnable road matchups. I mean, we've got this one against Ole Miss, and then 
Later in the season, we've got Mississippi State. That's a winnable yes. road game. Yeah, a lot tougher, though. Yeah. And then um, towards the end of the season, we've got Georgia and LSU on the road. Which Georgia's looked a lot better than yeah, Mike anyone White, expected. Yeah, Mike White's got something going on there. Yeah. I mean, on it, like realistically, this could be Missouri's only road win of the year of the conference season. And yeah. uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm not panicking after these two road losses, but I think I would be panicking if they lost to Ole Miss as far as uh, their their tournament chances. Uh, so they, that's definitely one they got to win. Um, there was always the possibility of a of a five game losing streak here. There was always the possibility of dropping those the two road games they just lost, and then Arkansas Alabama at home, and then you got to go back on the road against Ole Miss and really that if they lose both art to arkansas and alabama that Ole miss game is like are we still a tournament team or not at that point yeah yeah you don't want to be that you don't mean that spot gotta win that one kermit davis yeah. still around yeah he was uh on the hot seat uh there was talks about him not returning at the end of last season don't know why he did Ugh. i mean i think i mean i know why he did they're paying him pretty well but well yeah from his perspective yeah, yeah. i know why he's back but <laughs> why did they ask him to come back i don't know i don't yeah it's like uh, i feel like there's there's just that weird line where like so much so many coaching changes were happening in the sec last year that it's like okay maybe do we really want to be doing this as well yeah with do you know where uh andy kennedy ended up i think he's still, still at uab i just felt like that made so much sense for you for Ole Miss for him oh wait he, he, he was from uh, Ole Miss yeah you go back <laughs> they fire him he's like their all-time winningest head coach yeah. they fire him they go in another direction it completely flames out who am I he, thinking of LSU what yes I'm oh that he might might he have been interested in that made sense yeah. for LSU yes yeah. Yeah, just imagine yeah, though he, they're like hey totally um, makes sense to go back to Ole Miss. Do, do you want to come back uh, we, like, we we made we, a mistake we, we love you yeah uh no he's been doing well at uab made the tournament last year yeah i'm surprised he he didn't uh go somewhere else that's home for him though it's home yeah um okay so two two wins next week would be really really cool i'll take one you happy with one win next week yeah what if it's only ole miss Loose, oh, I didn't loose. know you were including that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, no I'm, I we got to have two or three here. Okay. If we are going to make the tournament, we got to win two of this, of these three. All right. You heard it here. In any order. They're going to beat Ole Miss, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're going to beat Ole Miss. <laughs> going to send Kermit packing. Yeah, there's a no, – I was going to try to look at Ole Miss's schedule to see if there's anything to watch before – uh yeah so they're playing south carolina right now on the road if they go if they start the season zero and six and lose to a not great south carolina team it might be rough yeah he may not even be the coach by the time the missouri game happens <laughs> got a little bit of breaking news okay let's hear it um i don't know if you well i mean maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more next week but missouri just landed a quarterback commitment oh my goodness okay um his name is dylan label l-a-i-b-l-e um he is from hutchinson community college though so i think this is a little bit more of a of a depth add maybe a, a replacement to jack abraham how do you spell his last name l-a-i-b-l-e you said missouri got a quarterback like uh like they got a quarterback yeah they did oh okay he plays quarterback well okay (laughs) (laughs) they got a a quarterback commit okay okay cool cool (laughs) i just wanted to be a little dramatic i got you going a little bit Uh, absolutely (laughs) i was like okay i didn't even know there was a guy out there to get (laughs) oh yeah uh six five two hundred he's a big guy i don't know anything about him other than that all right well we will look into that this the, this week and see if it's worth talking about next week. It probably will be. Really? Yeah. Hutchinson's Community College com, Community College transfer quarterback. Juco, yeah. Yeah? You think? 
Yeah. Okay. I can't wait for you to tell us about it next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of what we do on this podcast. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that, uh, I don't know. I, w- when you brought it up, I was expecting like a sure thing starter or something. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, you think that's it? That's it. That's all. Okay. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.